Come Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. Welcome back, everybody. It's good to be with you. I am so excited today. Um, we have a brother and sister Erickson, Janet and Arby Erickson here with us today, and uh, it's cold in the office, and Janet couldn't use her her uh, space heater that she brought because it's too loud. But and I have hot chocolate. Yeah, so she, it's also <laughs> like middle of May. <laughs> cold in here. So Janet, welcome. Arby, welcome. Thank you. Thanks. Good to have you both. Um, for those of you not affiliated or associated with the Institute uh, here in Boise, uh, Janet is one of our support specialists that works here and is really the lifeblood of the Institute here um, and just makes such great connections to our students. Uh, she and Sister Valencia are really the reason that I think uh, students feel comfortable when they come in here. So Janet, thanks for all you do. It's good to have you here today. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. Um, and RB, I, I, I don't know RB as well as I want to, um, but uh, I've taught uh, the Erickson's kids in seminary and just you couldn't you couldn't ask for a better family and and RB's just a good guy. Appreciate it. Yeah, I got invited because she got invited. Yeah, right. <laughs> One of the perks. Well, I love having you. So um, tell us a little bit about you. Just things that are going on in your life. Uh, some, we've had Sister Erickson on before in, in an episode last. I think we were doing Old Testament stuff. Yep. Uh, with Sister Valencia. Yeah. Um, but just tell us some things about you. Introduce your family a little bit to us. Well, I have to give the Institute a plug because it was through the Institute that, and through a mutual friend that R.B. and I met hey. down here at the Boise Institute really? just a few years ago. Uh-huh. And, um, <laughs> but no, we have a lot going on in our family right now. Our oldest has been married for a couple of years. We have a daughter that's serving a mission right now in El Salvador. Mm-hmm. And um, just lots of great things. Our kids are finding their way into adulthood, and it's fun to see the accomplishes, accomplishments they're making and super proud of them. It's fun. It's yeah. busy, but it's a fun busy. Yeah, that's cool. Very yeah. cool. Arby, anything to add? Uh, you know what? We're both Boise natives. Yeah. We grew up, but we kind of came, we created a broken home. She's a Bora grad, and I'm a Boise grad. <laughs> In fact, uh, we land. have uh, connections to the Swenson families, because yep. I grew up with your older sister, That's and right. we were good friends with her growing up, yep. and as Janet says, our kids are trying to figure out what it means to adults, and right. we're trying to figure out what it means to go into the life of an empty nester, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it's fun. I I, uh, I knew your brothers better than I know you growing up, um, but uh, four or four or five years difference between us, maybe, but... So super fun, super uh, super great family, and just excited to have you here. Did you say El Salvador? She's in El Salvador, okay. the Santa Ana Salvador. There are thirteen listeners in El Salvador. I just looked it up. Really? So maybe nice. your daughter's yeah. one of them. But hola, hola. <laughs> thirteen listeners. She'll so. laugh at my accent That's right fun. there, right? Well, very cool. Well, we're going to be in First uh, Corinthians chapters eight through thirteen. Is it thirteen? Yep. We go 13. through. Thirteen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just going to let you guys start us. Give us whatever context you want to give us for this, and okay. uh, jump us in. So we are. Um, 
as I was thinking about this this morning, we're, we are in First Corinthians where Paul is answering questions hmm. that he received from a letter from um, Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus. I hope I'm pronouncing those correctly. Close enough. They won't uh, complain. But as I was thinking about this, it made me think, this is essentially, um, or you're teaching modern day answering my gospel questions. This is what Paul is doing. He's answering the questions that these guys have of him. And so... I thought that was kind of fun because yeah. you teach that class here at the Institute answering yeah, my possible fun. questions. That's so fun. here we are reading these chapters and going through them and he's answering the questions that they have of him. So we're in chapter eight and RB, go ahead. So as we were preparing for this and, and just talking, we kind of go through in, in order as it flows, mm-hmm. uh, but not necessarily cover everything, right? Yeah. I mean, we just wanted to touch on things that stood out to us. Hopefully, yeah. they'll be meaning to the folks that are listening yeah. as well. That's so. great. That's great. And, and as always, listeners, we, we just hope that you you know you don't, you don't take this as everything, and that you know, take your own time and study your own. You're at the block on your own. So yeah, good point. Thanks. So we want to start off in verse three of chapter eight. Okay. And it says, "But if any, but if any man love God, the same is known of him." And if you take a look at the footnote of known, it references John 10, 14, and John expands on that known, because as Paul's writing it, it makes it feel like, well, you're known of God, but John expounds on that and says, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of my sheep. Mm. So that that knowledge goes both directions. Uh, And, you know, one of the things that stood out to us as we were talking about it was uh, Prophet Joseph Smith's quote, where he said, it is the first principle of the gospel to know for certainty the character of God. Mm-hmm. And one of the things about that, that that stood out is this isn't about who is God to you. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really common phrase that we hear. Who is God to you? And sure. this isn't about that. This is about who is God, yeah. period. Yeah, good. What are his characteristics? Yeah. What does he want? Um, you know, as we talk about this and, and look at those characteristics, I think one of the most important that uh, has come through the the restoration of the gospel is he is our father. Yeah. That's not a metaf- metaphorical statement. Sure. It is he's our literal father. We are his literal offspring and and as such can mature and grow and become like he is. Yeah. And and that's that becomes his work. You know, we go into Moses and his work and his glory is to become like him and he wants nothing more and nothing less than that. Yeah. Man, I really love that. I I think that uh you know the 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 virgins and the and the oil um, the, the lamps comes to mind where, you know they come late, mm-hmm. and his response is, I don't know you or in the Joseph Smith translation of that it's you don't know me, right. that same concept right that same message is being taught and it's not about not knowing who he is it's not knowing him well enough to know what he want you to do or be well it's kind of interesting in that parable of, of the virgins and the lamp, right? It sounds so mean that they wouldn't sure. share. Yeah. But when you think about the context of becoming, yeah. you can't share the characteristics you've developed. Yeah, right. It's something that you have to yeah. develop over time with that relationship. Yeah, yeah, that's really great. Jen, anything to add there? No, go ahead. Okay. You know, one of the things, speaking of known, I had a chance to, for, I'm going to put a plug in for the Blue Letter Bible. Yeah. I love that I app. I do too. It's yeah. fantastic because it, you can look up the Hebrew, the Greek, and yeah. kind of understand the core and the, the original meaning behind that because it does get lost in translation a lot. But for the word know, uh, and I'm going to butcher this, but it's, uh, I think it's 
Genos, Genoseco okay. is close enough. Okay. And it had three primary meanings. One is to know, right, which is more of that intellectual knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is to understand. Mm-hmm. So being able to, you know, apply and appreciate sure. that, that knowledge. And the second one is uh, sexual intercourse. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we use that term a lot. We've heard that the know biblically that known. <laughs> but if we take that a step further, really that what we're talking about is just that this is an intimate knowledge. Mm-hmm. An intimate knowledge between you and your Savior. Mm. He intimately knows you. You intimately know him. Mm. And I think, you know, potentially, you know, that idea of the intimacy and that knowledge is one of the reasons why the Savior uses Bridegroom. Yeah, the analogy between the bridegroom and the mm, bride. That's really interesting. And it's not only that intimacy, but it's a covenant intimacy. It's a yeah. covenant relationship that you build with your Heavenly Father so He knows you, you know Him. Yeah, I really like that. I think there's something to that as I think about um, the Savior's interactions with uh, people that, you know, when He, when he asks people, to, did, did you serve me? Right? That, that conversation about, well, who, who, is, who is His friend? Well, I, I didn't. I didn't know that that was you, yeah. right? That whole kind of like, well, you're you're not really not digging very deep to understand who I am, if you're not willing to look beyond my picture or my my you know edifice, maybe. And I, and I like the fact that you bring up that service part because one of the things we had talked about was uh, John seven seventeen. Sure. Where uh, and I'm going to butcher. I don't know if you have it available, Janet. But uh, this is where he basically says, "Look, if you want to know if this is of me, do it. Yeah, do it first, right. and then and then you'll know. You have to act. Yeah. And you know, one of these things, as we look at this, and I I'm a person. My personal belief is when we look at the word knowledge and know in the scriptures, very rarely, if ever, is our heavenly Father and the Savior referring to intellectual knowledge mm-hmm. only. Mm-hmm. This is intellectual and experiential knowledge. Yeah. Very similar to how Adam and Eve, when they left the Garden of Eden so that they could know good from evil, it wasn't that beforehand they didn't know anything. Right. Right? They knew the they intellectually they knew the plan. Yeah, sure. They knew what was expected of them. But they had but to they, go and do. They had to go and figure it out and do it and have that experiential knowledge. And that's what our, you know. I have that verse here. It says, if any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether if it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Hmm. So. Well, and it's interesting. How would you know that? I mean, you, you go out and you do something. It's not like the action makes you intellectually more intelligent to know that that thing is a thing from God, right? It's through... It's through experience. Uh, yeah, it's through the, the, the experience you're having, the the outcomes of that experience, mm-hmm. the spirit that you feel. Um, it reminds me, Elder uh, Bednar said, faith is the principle of action. Mm-hmm. Not a principle of action, but the principle of action. <clears throat> I have just a quick experience. So just recently, I, I very rarely respond to people on Facebook um, who are, you know, anti-ing the church or whatever. And, yeah. But I have a, a friend who is, has left the church, and and um, one of the interactions she was having online was about um, just how she has come to her own knowledge, um, and that faith isn't the out isn't the end goal, that that we're supposed to seek for our own knowledge and obtain knowledge, and I thought I I don't think that's really true until maybe Christ comes back. Right, the, the purpose of life is really to act in faith, not to just obtain all the knowledge perfectly, 
Um, because otherwise, what's the point of going through the veil, right? If, if I can obtain all the knowledge without having a little bit of faith, and maybe you can, maybe through the Spirit you can obtain knowledge and know all the truth of all things, according to the Book of Mormon, right? But, but not without faith and not with while faith isn't active in your life, right? Right. And I just think that's an interesting connection to that. Yeah, I agree. Well, if we could just maybe kind of continuing on in that uh, idea please. of knowing, becoming and knowing sure. our Heavenly Father and our Savior, if we jump down to verse 6, mm-hmm. where he says, um, But to us there is but one God, yeah. God, the Fa- God the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and, once Lord, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and, by, and we by him. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been a tongue twister for me, sure. as I can see Janet smirking at me out of the corner of my eye. Right? Uh, but uh, you know, one of the things, I, I read that, and, and obviously it talks a little bit about both our Heavenly Father and, and the Savior, but I wanted to understand a little bit more about where it says, because it uses a very similar phrase, speaking of the Father, of whom are all things, and then with Christ it says, by whom are all things. Mm-hmm. So again, going back to the, to the Greek, the Greek for of whom, speaking of the Father, is the word ek, and really denotes origin. Hmm. Um, whereas in contrast, the, the Greek word for uh, by is dia, hmm. and it means through or by means of. Yeah. And I, think, I found that fascinating, um, because as we, as we look at that, and this goes right back to the restored gospel, particularly even back to the creation, mm-hmm. That yes, our heavenly Father is the origin, mm-hmm. the the source of this, but everything was done by or through by means of yeah. Christ. Yeah. And I think this is Paul's attempt to really help us understand who is Christ. Yeah. That, that this is all about Christ. Yeah, it's the difference between the developer and the architect. The developer is the one that has the idea and says, this is what I want to do, and the mm-hmm. architect is the one that actually draws it up. But it, do, but it doesn't get drawn up without the developer saying, here's what I want, right? And, and I think that's, that's God and Christ. Right, for sure. Yeah, I mean, he, he became not only the creator of the world, mm-hmm. Christ, because mm-hmm. by him it was created. Sure. We learn that in John 1, yeah. right, among yeah. other places in, in restored scripture, but uh, he also then became the savior of the world yeah. after, after it was created. Yeah. Right? By him it saved. By him it saved. Yeah. By him it was created. Right. right. By him we become new creatures, yeah. so all things done through Christ. By him we're taught everything, right? The Old Testament God is Christ. The New Testament God is Christ. The Book of Mormon God is Christ. God the Father comes very seldomly um, because he has given that task to the savior. The savior, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Um, can I point a couple things out in this as well? Please. Yeah. Um, if we back up just a little bit, um, he's taught the question really that was prompting here. Um, it, it had to do with um, false gods and idols, and mm-hmm. and um, in verse four he says, "As concerning thereof, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world." And that there is none other but one, but none other God but one. For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, then what you read, Darby, but to us there is but one God. I think it's interesting that the Savior here is referencing other gods and identifying that that there are other gods. And, and 
we can make some up, right? We can make up our own idol gods. Um, but the phrase that he uses in verse 6, to us there is but one God. And then parenthetically in verse 5, it says, as there be gods many and lords many, he identifies that there are many gods, many lords. Joseph Smith taught that um, as God is, man may become, and as, um, God, uh, as man is, God once was, right? And, and that idea gets really weird if we go too far with it, right? I mean, we, we start talking about all kinds of stuff that we don't know and we don't understand. But, but ultimately, the plan of salvation is for us to not just be saved, but it's the plan of redemption. It's the plan of exaltation, right? It's, it's a plan to help me become like my Heavenly Father and like Heavenly Mother for Janet, right? Mm-hmm. And, and if that's the case, if I can have everything that God has, according to the Bible— if I can sit near God and have the things he has, and um, according to the Abrahamic covenant, had children beyond the sands of the sea. Well, I have six kids on earth, and my wife's done. She's like, nope, we're out, right? <laughs> but, but being able to grow and to progress only happens when we have children in the next life, right? And, and once you know all the things and you have all the things, the only, the only progression, the only growth becomes your posterity, right? And that's one of the great promises to Abraham. It's interesting to me that, that the Savior isn't shutting the door to other gods existing, but to us, there is one God. One God. And it reminded me in Moses how uh, Moses is, is learning from the Savior and seeing the creation of the word, uh, the world by the word. Uh, this is in Moses chapter 1, uh, verse 33. It says, And worlds without number have I created. And I also created them for mine own purpose. President Nelson taught that those worlds um, are populated and that the atonement covers all of the children of God on all of the worlds that God has had created by Christ. But then in verse 35 of Moses chapter 1, it says, But only an account of this earth and the inhabitants thereof give I unto you. For behold, there are many worlds that have passed away by the word of my power, and there are many that now stand, and innumerable are they unto man. But all things are numbered unto me, for they are mine. This earth and the inhabitants thereof is all that matters, right? Right. And and at least for our for our salvation, that's it. We don't need to know about all the other. Um, I need to have Christ as my Savior. I need to have God as my Father. Worship Him and try to become like Christ, right? Yeah. So it's it's it's, it's very simple, and I love that the Savior leaves that door open in Corinthians. I do too. I, I think Janet has something she wants to add or kind of move to, but I, I do have a thought that came sure. to mind. I hope it's not too much of a no, tangent please. from where we were going, but the beauty of that doctrine to me is uh, almost inexplicable. Mm-hmm. We, we ask a lot of times, and I, I've done this to youth um, around our, our ward, around the stake, and say, hey, what's the purpose of life? Mm-hmm. And you get some really interesting answers, yeah. right? To return to Heavenly Father, right. To get, um, to, to get a family, to get a body, get a body yeah. right? And that all dances around the core issue yeah. or the core purpose, which is to learn to become like our Savior and our Heavenly Father. Yeah. And, and when that happens, when we talk about it in other senses, when we talk about it in um, if I'm good, I can return back to my Heavenly Father. Right. It, it's almost like it's a prize, yeah. right? It's the it's the payment at the end yeah. of the obedience. I get to go back. I get to go back. <laughs> Why did I leave to begin right? with? <laughs> yeah. So, but when it be, when it starts and and when we do that, a lot of the, the then we have these rules. Like the commandments become these rules right. that we have to follow yeah. in order to receive that prize. Right. 
the same, like it's a game or something. And but when it becomes the purpose of life to become like our heavenly Father, yeah. it transforms the commandments into just the instruction manual on how to do that. Yeah. It, it transforms those those relationships. It even transforms our errors yeah. in saying, oh, you know what, I didn't get it right this time, but I can. I'm going to try again, and I'm going to try and be right. try to become a little bit better the next time. Yeah. It, it just. Repentance becomes joyful at that point. It does. I had a class one time just talking exactly about that. Then I'm coming to Janet, um, where I asked a very similar question, and uh, the responses I got were very similar. You know, become like to be be, become like Jesus, um, which is another kind of dance around the topic, right? Um, But but it was an interesting conversation because. By the end of it, I said, what are the purposes of the commandments and the instructions that were given? And they said things like, well, they they make us um, be better. They make us, and they kept using the word make us. And I said, do you think God feels like he has to do stuff, like he's made to do stuff? They were like, no. And I said, does God live by more or less commandments than you? And they were like, bless. He gets to do whatever he wants. I'm like, no, no, you're missing the whole point, right? God lives by way more commandments than us, right? Mm-hmm. Adam and Eve were given two in the garden. Don't eat the fruit and have kids, right? And and by the way, you can't do both, so good luck. And then when they get kicked out, they're taught the fullness. But eventually it pairs back down to 10, like don't kill people, don't steal their stuff. And everybody's like, okay, I won't, right? And then we get this the, the fullness of the gospel again in the restoration, maybe when Christ came as well. But, but we're, we're being added to even now, more instruction, more the new for strength of the youth, right? It's not about the, the line item anymore. It's learn the principle. And then it is about all the line items, right? That one principle affects every aspect of your life, as opposed to, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do this. Learn to become, and you won't do those things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. That, you will have that dessert. Cool, I love that tangent. That was good. <laughs> good. All right, we're going to mosey on into chapter 9. And this I love, um, because Paul, is he's rejoicing in his Christian liberty. And he's talking, I love it, in the first verse when he says, Am I... Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ? And he's just talking about his... Hmm. his, um, his uh, Christian liberty. He, he's, he's talking about being a missionary and how much he loves the Savior, Jesus Christ. And it made me think of my daughter right now, who is serving down in El Salvador, and she's working hard to, to be a good missionary and to yeah. bring those people to Christ and bringing herself to Christ. Yeah. And um, he goes down, we're going to go down into verse 14, and it says, Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should mm. live of the gospel. Mm. And it talks. Ab- he talks about how important it is that we don't just speak of the gospel, that you must live the gospel. So it's kind of a do it, not, what is that? Do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. Um, how important it is for us to, to actually, here we are talking about acting again. Right. We, we must be, we must live. And, and I think that that's important because it helps you as the teacher, as the exemplar, to um, build that relationship of trust with those you teach. It yeah. makes you believable because of your actions. Yeah. It, it, back up one verse. Okay. Uh, do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? Mm. Right? I mean, like, he, he goes to the highest order of covenants and the highest order of learning that they had back then. And, and uh, 
And that's the thing that they live to. That's the standard they live to. And then, verse 14, preach the gospel to that level, right? That's the, that's the standard you need to be holding and, and living to. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, speaking of covenants, can we jump to chapter 10? Yeah. In, and I love this uh, as we start out here in chapter 10, where he reads at the very, verse 1, verse 2, and we'll kind of then skip to verse 4. But it says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant. So you got to know this stuff. Sure. Uh, how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Mm-hmm. Um, now, he's speaking of fathers mm-hmm. uh, of the Old Testament. This is ancient Israel sure. and the, the Israelites and Moses is leading them out. And the, the cloud, the fiery pillar right. and the cloud yep. and yep. the parting of the Red Sea. And, okay. you know, as we look at that, uh, you know, as you know, Matt, the, the Making a covenant, really, the Hebrew for that is actually translated cutting a covenant. Mm-hmm. And there was that process, that ordinance of actually cutting an animal in half, yep. separating the two pieces, right. and passing through or walking between those two pieces. Right. Now, we don't know what was said. We don't have the, the actual ordinance. words of the ordinance yeah. that were said during that. But we do know that that was a critical part. Now, there's a lot of symbolism to that, which we could sure, get into. sure. But one of the things that we see here is we talk about, he's talking about his fathers, their ancestors, our ancestors. Mm-hmm. This is covenant language where he's saying they passed through the sea. Yeah. The, that, the parting of the Red Sea was, was symbolic of the cutting of the covenant just as we separated the two parts of the animal. Yeah. The Lord parted, separated the Red Sea so that Israel could pass through and make that covenant with yeah. him. And if you can kind of back up even further than that, when Israel's standing there on the Red Sea, they're on the borders of the Red Sea, the Pharaoh and his armies are coming after them. There's no place to go. There's no way for them to escape. The Lord separates it, parts it. They pass through the way on dry ground to the yeah. other side into the Promised Land. He yeah. made a way for them to, to reach their inheritance and yeah. who they could become. And I, I just, I love that because He's, Paul's just saying, guys, you got to know, you can't be ignorant of the fact that your fathers and subsequently us are, have a covenant relationship with, with our Heavenly Father. And not only that, but that symbolic way of passing through that way is Christ is the way. Yeah. yeah. He is that dry ground on which yeah. we pass. Huh. And, and, you know, he is, as we talked before, we just got finished in verse eight or chapter eight talking uh-huh. about how. He is the creator. He is the savior. And now here's Paul again talking about he is the way yeah. that uh, that we reach the other side and make that covenant. Yeah, he even references it in verse 2. And we're all baptized yeah. unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, right? That, that he uses what they would understand about baptism and references that's why you get baptized. They were. You need to be. And there's something interesting to me about that experience in it with the with the sea you're exactly right man they're running towards the sea their armies chasing them it, it took great faith uh to to part the ocean for moses to stand up and just hold up his staff and right he'd been he'd been given maybe patriarchally a little bit um power over the waters you know blessing that he'd received from christ earlier in the old testament and so he already knew that and we see that throughout his life right he, right. he hits the stone and one water comes forth right so we see power over water um, there, so it took great faith to to part the sea and and not to discount that at all. But imagine standing there, 
and looking at a, an ocean, not like a, a river that you you know can see the other side of, but literally like an ocean. Um, I did some research at one point, and the narrowest part of the Red Sea, assuming they got to the narrowest part, yeah. is seven miles across. You can't see seven miles. The Earth's circumference doesn't let you see that way, right? So imagine that the, you're standing there, and the ocean just separates in front of you, right? First off, the faith it would take to take the first step would take a ton of faith to think, yeah, th th this will probably stay like this for me to get however far across it is. Yeah, right? it takes it, 20 minutes to walk cow. a mile if you're fast right? enough, Exactly. Right? So, so this was not like a hop, skip, and a jump across the ocean, yeah. right? It was a yeah. big ask. And for them to have the faith to, to take that plunge, to walk that far, to go through that baptism, I think is the same today, right? And it's the same faith that it requires for someone to stay in the church and stay active and stay on the covenant path. It's the same faith that it requires for someone who isn't yet a member, who is looking at it saying, man, that's a life change. I gotta make some massive changes. And it's all based on faith. It's not based on my knowledge of anything, right? And, and I think that's just a significant component to that uh, baptism. Um, mm -hmm. And I love that you brought that up as a, as a covenant that they were making. And that's what the Savior's teaching here through, through Paul, right? Right. Yeah, very cool. Well, one of the things that I, I love about the concept of covenants, and we know that uh, prophets have always talked about covenants, yeah. and, and we're giving President Nelson a lot of credit for right. doing it even more right, re yeah. recently. And, sure. But um, in the Follow Him podcast mm -hmm. that, that I listened to, uh, back when they were talking in the—we did the Old Testament mm -hmm. last year— mm -hmm can't remember her name. I thought she did a wonderful job and opened my eyes more to what that covenant is. And she she talked about how it was, we talk about it in the church about being a contract, right? right? It, yeah. it feels very legal yeah. and um, <laughs> cold even, yeah. right? And she said, that's not what it is at all. And that's never what it was intended to be. Mm. It, it is a relationship. Mm. You, you are entering into a new relationship. It's why we take on a new name. Yeah. When we're adopted, yeah. we take on a new, the name of the family we were adopted sure, into. Right. Uh, when a husband and wife are, are bound in yeah. marriage, yeah. They, they take the, on new names. The, bridegroom's, right? the name. bridegroom's name. That's interesting. And, and, you have, and that's why that relationship, when talk, Christ talks about that covenant, it's the bride and the bridegroom, that yeah. intimate relationship that we're building with our Heavenly Father mm. and, and our Savior. And I love that. I, yeah. I love that idea of that family, deep, intimate relationship. Yeah, I do too. I think that's fantastic. It, it Chapter 10 talks a little bit about that. He talks about how he had mentioned that the their fathers had gone through the, the sea, right? Mm -hmm. And then in verse 2, they all ate the same spiritual meat or the manna, right? Mm -hmm. Meat being a, a just a word for food. And in verse 4, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, the water coming from the rock of, of uh, well, it says it for there, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ, right? It, it points them right to the manna was bread of life. Mm -hmm. the, the water was the, the, the water that is the living water. It's all pointing us to Christ. Um, and I, I think that's a, a just a significantly important component that the, the covenants we make, all of them, every single one, every ordinance we participate in, all ties us back to the Savior. That's that's its purpose, to tie us to Him. Absolutely. Well, before, I think Janet, again, I think Janet was going to mention something late, a little bit later on here in just a second, but can I tie us back to where we started sure. in terms of getting to know our, our Savior, yeah. right, in that intimate relationship? Because I think Paul gives us a really critical 
part of that. And he's, he's opening the eyes of those, us today, the readers back then, yeah. or, or the listeners back then, in terms of Christ's central role, because of where you just ended up in verse 4, right? And, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. Mm-hmm. So that followed them. He's, he's going back to sure. the ancient Israelites and, and Christ. And, and the rock and the uh, fiery pillar yeah. and the cloud sure. and, and everything. Their experience on the And then what does he say? And that rock was Christ. Mm. Christ was there from, he's, he's right back into this doctrine and this knowledge of Christ was there from the beginning. Yeah. He's the Alpha and Omega. Yeah. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. And as you said, the God of the Old Testament, the Savior of the New Testament, our Savior today. And he's making sure that there's no ifs, ands, or buts mm-hmm. on yeah. the magnitude of who he is and, and what he's done for us. Yeah, I love that. I, I, it just takes me back to Deuteronomy chapter 32, kind of when they were having this experience. Verse 4 says, He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment of, of a God of truth, and without iniquity, just and right is he. He being the rock. But it's also interesting that he calls uh, Peter the rock, right? He says, upon this rock, meaning Peter, yeah. he's going to establish the church. And and so I think there's something true about Christ being uh, 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 the message that prophets who are his mouthpiece uh, reference, right? And, and I think that that is important for us, that when Christ isn't here, he uses prophets to help us understand what he would say and, and hear him. Yeah, I agree. And I think this leads us into, um, we're still in the same chapter, chapter 10, okay. down in verse 13. And it just it, it just brings about, I mean, they're always referencing Christ, as we were just discussing, and how He is the way, and He is the answer, and mm-hmm. He is what um, will bring us peace and strength and everything. Um, verse 13, it says, There hath no temptation taken you, such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. Mm. And I, I like that in the very first part of that, that verse, it says, um, but such as is common to mm. man, mm. that there's always something that's going to tempt us. Like when our kids come to us, they've made a mistake. Right. They've, they've sinned. God doesn't want us to be like, oh, I can't believe you did that. Right. You know, he's provided a way. He's provided a savior to help us escape that and to try again. Yeah. And, and, and the feeling I think the adversary has, and maybe it's just a natural feeling, is, oh, man, I have messed up. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and nobody understands this like somehow morality was your idea, <laughs> right? And that's the thing you screwed up in or, yeah. or the word of wisdom became something that you just thought was a great idea. And it, it, God put it down here as an instruction for us mm-hmm. because he wanted us to recognize when we went away from that, that we see it as a problem, that it, it is valid to us as a, as a trial, as a challenge. Important part is that there is always a way, right? He won't have you tempted above that you're able, but you have to be connected to him because regularly I'm tempted beyond what I can handle if I'm not connected to him, right? If I'm not saying my prayers and reading my scriptures and doing the, the basic things, I do get tempted right? and that's why I fall. Well, and there we are right back to the way. Right. We just we started off talking about Christ as the way when he separated the Red Sea yeah. and, and that sort of thing. We're right back here. 
he will provide a he way. He will make a way. He will make escape. a way, and that way is that way is Christ. I, I, I like what Janet says, and at the, particularly at the beginning of thirteen. Look, we all have passions that, that are struggles for us, sure. and mine are different than yours. Yeah. Yours are different than Jan. I mean, everybody's different, but we all have them. Yeah. And, and I and I can really see a loving Heavenly Father when we fouled up or when yeah. we're trying to manage these passions say to us, just as Paul started at the very beginning, hey, you know what? There had no temptation taken you but such is common to man. Hey, this is natural. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> you, you don't have to be ashamed. Mm-hmm. You don't have to think you're terrible. You don't, right? You don't have to beat yourself up for this. But and, you, oh, go ahead. And I think as parents, as earthly parents to our own children, if we have that same approach mm-hmm. um, with our own children, yeah, just like our Father has with us, yeah, they're going to come back to us mm-hmm. when they have those. Yeah. And they're going to return to us and they're going to say... Yeah, I really love that. I, I'm reminded of my friend that I was talking about earlier, the, my Facebook interaction, she had a bishop who did not see it that way and who made her feel ashamed for the things mm-hmm. that she went through and the things that she had done. And, and, uh, and, and imperfect people, you know, good, good man probably trying to do things right, but, but just handled that situation in a way that, that turned her off to yeah. uh, wanting help and, and needing help from the right sources, right? Yeah. Um, it, how, how frequently as parents do we, I think out of love for our kids, right? We, when we mess it up and we do it wrong, yeah. it's because, oh, why did you do that? Now you're going to have to go through it, right? Yeah. And that's really the reason is now I have to watch you go all the way through all the trial that, that this is going to bring. But but maybe that sends the wrong message to them. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I want to share something really fast, not to throw Landon under the bus. He's our youngest. <laughs> And part of this is on us, but we always used to let our kids drive to church. We sure. lived half a mile from church, and it yep. gave them practice before they were actually of legitimate yeah, okay. drivers. So he cool. was driving home from church one time, and we always have to we our kids have to back into the driveway into the garage. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Mm-hmm. And he was doing this. He was probably thirteen years of age, and I was um, sitting there looking down at my phone and is texting as he's backing in, and. He smacked right into a branch of a tree that kind uh-huh. of overhung our overhangs into our driveway, <laughs> and my first reaction was, "Oh my goodness, <laughs> why did you do that?" Mm-hmm. And I started to get mad, mm-hmm. and then it came to me that he was so much more important than sure. than the car. I mean, yeah. it smashed two big windows. I mean, shattered glass. Oh, wow. It dented. It was pretty intense damage. Mm. But I had this feeling come over me that my reaction was so a, a better reaction was so much more important yeah. um, that he needed to know that even though he makes mistakes mm-hmm. that I'm not going to overreact yeah. and that he's going to want to come to me in the future when he makes bigger mistakes. Yeah, and isn't that <clears throat> isn't that the purpose, right? That that of of having our own children that that we become like heavenly father, heavenly mother and learn Okay, when they screw up, I can't just flood the earth every time. Right. And I can't just wipe them out because <laughs> they messed up. Right? right. Which as a as an earthly parent, sometimes that's my reaction. Uh-huh. And my, my objective here is to learn to not have that be my reaction ever. Right. Because it can't be when I have the opportunity to have what Heavenly Father has, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think because I mean, we're, we're talking to or this podcast is for... Young adults, sure. right? Yeah. Most of whom probably don't have kids, aren't parents yet. Right. Most of them, like the rest of us, are probably struggling through, you know, issues with their own passions and desires, yeah. and yeah. trying to trying to figure that all out, and to re- recognize 
that Heavenly Father is there saying, it's okay. I get it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I understand. This why is it's hard, saying? right? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think this is, it, there is that realization that it's okay, I'm not abnormal. Yeah. And then Paul down in 23, I think, does a really nice mm-hmm. job of just saying, too, even though it is natural, mm-hmm. right, you, you got to work with it. We, this is a process yeah. of becoming like God, and y- you, you can't just follow the path of least yeah, resistance. That's really good. And so he says, hey, you know, all things in 23, all things are lawful for me but all things are not expedient. Yeah. So if I rephrase that a little bit, yeah. maybe today's vernacular, just because you can yeah. doesn't, doesn't mean you should. Sure. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, the Joseph Smith translation, if you just look at the cross-reference down there, it clarifies, puts the word not in. All things are not lawful for me, for all things are not expedient. All things are not lawful, for all things edify not. I, I think there's I think there's that, that idea, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, just because your body tells you this feeling is natural and I should I should not you know push those feelings down well yeah at a certain point within the certain within certain parameters there's the, a the time and a place said, right? yeah I love the I love a quote Elder Maxwell said he said this it is our own desires which to determine the sizing and attractiveness of various temptations and speaking to your your idea that you know we all have passions and but it's the things that I'm interested in that that drive those passions, right? The things that I spend my time focused on and my time uh, looking at. And then he says, we set our own thermostats as to the temptations we have. So we are the ones that establish based on the, the things we give time to and the things that we um, focus on. We're the ones that establish what that thermostat's set to. Is it, is it a, um, uh, do I spend my time looking at um, uh, gossiping. I mean, is that something that's interesting to me? And so I, I spend my time there, and then it becomes hard for me, and my, it becomes a passion of mine to just be in other people's business. Um, and do I do I manage my mind and the thoughts that I have to keep them clean and pure? Is if I don't, does that become a passion out of bounds? Um, have I have I allowed that thermostat to be a little too hot? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that idea that I can turn the thermostat down, but it requires an action, right? It requires me to go up to the thermostat and do something different, change my thought process, change how I interact with people, whatever your trial is, right? But but I think that idea that we all have passions, you just have to identify which ones are yours and not all of them are okay. Um, well, and, and it's not that they're, not all of them are okay even. Sometimes there's just a time and a place. Yeah. Harvey and I had the opportunity several years ago to be to teach the um, Sunday school class mm-hmm. for um, was it 16, 17 year olds, and we loved that. And we tried to teach them. I mean, we, one of the first things we said, is it okay to kill? Mm-hmm. Is it okay to have um, sexual relations? Sure. Is it okay to have to, t- to use drugs? Yeah. And every one of them was like, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> yeah. And then you put it into the right context, sure. and it makes sense. Yeah. So there's a time and a place, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. And, and often, always, those places are established by the Savior, right? They've, they've been given to us. Here's mm-hmm. the line. Mm-hmm. Don't cross this line. All the things I've given you on earth are for your benefit. Yeah. And every temptation and every feeling you have is something that helps you learn to become like me, whether it's to master the skill yeah. or it's to master the self, right? Whether it's a, 
a, a thought or an action. Um, all of it is spiritual or physical, right? And, mm-hmm. and he's given us counsel on all of it. Yeah, and I, I love that concept that Janet was talking about because if we, again, go back to the idea of becoming, mm-hmm. and that's our purpose, then if then the commandments become the instruction manual on how to do it. Right. And all these passions, all these divine powers that we've been given to, to make life, to, to build, to take a life, all mm-hmm. these things that we've been given, the Lord is just simply saying, let me tell you and give you instruction on when, where, and how to use them, you know, these powers, mm-hmm. your powers, in a way that build and create mm-hmm. rather than destroy. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and it keeps agency intact, right? Mm-hmm. It allows for me to, to use those powers accordingly so that I can become. And, and really, this, this whole section here, I think, is teaching that, right? We've come to earth. We've gone through the veil. We've forgotten everything. We've, we listen and learn from prophets and maybe Christ directly um, about when and how I can use those powers and those authorities. I recognize that God is the resource to me, mm-hmm. right? And there's really only Him that I'm, that I'm accountable to in this life. Um, but, but, and I think about young adults, right, that, that are in a, in a phase of life where they're making such big choices and such big uh, decisions that are life-altering and um, move them uh, forward in, in a very specific direction. And I wonder if um, sometimes the, the, the whole plan gets lost. They just miss, oh, if I, if I put this in the eternal perspective, um, morality with people I'm dating is easy. It's a lot easier if I understand the purposes of that long term. Um, jobs and going to school or not going to school, all of those things come differently when I understand what I'm supposed to be doing ultimately here. And we don't get myopically focused right. on the task at hand, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Love that. Well, I know we're kind of working our way Towards through. Towards the tail end, and yeah. We, yeah. we got to... Uh, Jump into, sure we, let's go jump into to, chapter um, so 12. 12. Yeah. And this is where we get to talk about spiritual gifts. Yeah. And I love this. I love that um, we all have them. Mm-hmm. And these gifts are all different. We all have different ones. Yeah. I actually love to sit and <laughs> it's fun for me to kind of look at people and just think about them, the people as I get to know them better, sure, especially yeah. down here at the Institute. It's yeah. fun and just to discover in my own mind what I think their spiritual gifts are as I get to yeah. know them yeah. um, and how especially they contribute to um, making this program down here at the Institute for Young Adults thrive yeah. Yeah. because everybody has different spiritual gifts. Yeah. Well, I, I want to take a little bit different slant if I could and because we have this, the spiritual gifts here, but it really starts out in verse 3 talking about where those spiritual gifts come from. It sure. mentions Christ and, and delivered through the Holy Ghost. Right. And you know, one of the things, just a kind of a thought exercise here, and, and you know, if I ask the question, what is the most, you know, capital T-H-E, the mm-hmm. most important thing or skill you could learn in this life, what would that be? And we don't have to have a dialogue about sure. that, but as you kind of think about that on your own, and I personally think it is the ability to recognize the Holy Ghost. Mm. Because if we don't have that, we, we learn in the scriptures that we can't know spiritual things but by the Spirit, right? right? Yeah. So we can't know Jesus is the Christ. Yeah. We can't know that the Book of Mormon had a divine source. We can't know that there is a prophet today without that ability to recognize the Holy Ghost. And I, you know, it, it makes me sad because I've had a chance to 
can talk to youth around our, our ward and our stake and ask the question, even to adults, how do you recognize the Holy Ghost? And you get a bunch of mm. yeah. bunch of answers, sure. and and some honestly very detrimental. Yeah. Um, now I don't mean to say I'm going to quote a scripture here. Yeah. I don't want to say the scripture is detrimental, but even phrases like "burning in the bosom," sure, very difficult to interpret. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. Elder Oaks. Elder Oaks says if, <coughs> if it's he says it sounds like spiritual indigestion, and it I have does. never had that. And so, you know, if, if an apostle who is in the first presidency has never felt the burning in the bosom the way that we all maybe define it, then, then maybe that's not something we ought to all be looking for. Exactly. You know, and I've heard adults say, well, it's a throbbing heart. <laughs> you guys can't see my the quizzical look on my face here, but I'm, I'm thinking, what, what, what is a throbbing that? heart? Or ch- I get chills. Yeah. Well, should I just put on a jacket? And what if or, I don't? And what if I don't get right, chills? Yeah. That's right? not the spirit. Um, and yeah. here's the one that, again, I don't want to offend anybody out there, but this one to me, it seems to be the most destructive. Mm. And that's when we say the Holy Ghost feels different for everybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I go back to my time as a missionary and, and our one of our charges as missionaries was to help people understand when they are feeling the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. And if... If God or the Holy Ghost is some sort of cosmic um, impersonation, sure. you know, he, different voice for you, yeah. right? A little high-pitched voice right. for you, kind of a, <laughs> a little cartoonish one for me, sure. or something. Sure. Then, you know, how on earth are we supposed to know? Yeah. And and particularly coupled with the fact that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right. He has certain. Um, that voice sounds the same yeah. to everybody. Yeah. And, you know, when we start talking about these obscure ways, it makes me think it's because you don't know. Right. You're not quite sure yet yeah. what that voice sounds like. Sure. Um, and so I, I got a bit of a challenge for, okay. for the group here. And um, I'm going to give you the challenge, okay. and then I'm going to tell you the answer, okay. which is probably not effective. Good, I like we these just challenges. Don't, <laughs> we just don't have time to go through the whole thing. But sometime take the opportunity to go through the scriptures and read all the scriptures about the Holy Ghost mm-hmm. and how they're described. And okay. the list is extremely long. Mm-hmm. Very long. Um, and I did that one time, and I thought, I can't do this. I just can't. All these adjectives mm-hmm. and scenarios. So I wonder if there's common pattern here. So I started to put them in groups. And, and um, I came down to five. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to share them with you, and then I'd like to share something that uh, I think is critically important about becoming sure. here in just yeah. a moment. But I found that those five categories is that when that ho- the Holy Ghost is with us, we feel an increase in love. Mm-hmm. We feel an increase in peace. We feel an increase in righteousness or the desire to do good, be good. Mm-hmm. We feel an increase in knowledge and an increase in power. Mm-hmm. Those five things. Mm-hmm. And when you stop for a moment, those are all five things that we can all recognize. Mm-hmm. And, and they're, we can talk about. They're, they're tangible. But the other amazing thing about them is who else do we know that is all loving, mm-hmm. all knowing, mm-hmm. all righteous, all powerful, and perfectly at peace with who they are? Yeah, to savior. So when the Holy Ghost is with us, mm-hmm. He's following our our Savior's purpose, which is to transform us to become more like God, yeah. to give us His characteristics. Mm-hmm. So when the Holy Ghost is with us, we recognize that because we have God's characteristics mm-hmm. with us. We want to do the things Christ would do. Yeah. And, and, that, and, and we have that law of witnesses. It's not just I feel loving, but th- this is where we can really come to know our Heavenly Father and be imbued with His characteristics. Mm-hmm. And it's why we take the sacrament every week to always have His Spirit to be with us right. because it's a constant, always 
trying to have that extra help to be more like yeah man I really love that what a what a way to to take the uh, concern about what does it sound like to me what's his voice sound like to me um, and and put it in context of what do I feel what mm-hmm. what should I want to do and, and maybe I've never heard a voice in my head right and and I, I think about I think about how many young women come back from young women's camps every summer where they're all sitting around the campfire and 98% of them cried about something they were talking about and the one girl sitting there who's not feeling any emotion comes back and thinks maybe I don't know what the spirit feels like maybe yeah. maybe God isn't even real and everybody's just making it up what's wrong with me mm-hmm. and and uh, and yet that girl sitting there if she's not I say girl it could be a boy in the same kind of setting right, right. Um, if she's not thinking if she, if she gets so wrapped up in thinking what does the spirit feel like what does it sound like to me that she's not just thinking, what am I feeling right now? Do I feel like I want to be better? Are these conversations that we're having helping me to progress and to change who I am? And do I feel like things need to be different in my life? If I do, then I'm being taught by the Holy Ghost. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm learning, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's ultimately the, the objective of the Holy Ghost. That's why it's, I think, so important to just sit there and ponder and yeah. think and be in, just take that time to just feel. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. It was interesting when you first asked the question, uh, what's the most important thing, the most important skill or thing you can develop in life? My brain went to charity because I think ultimately if I can listen to the Spirit, and then as we've talked here, if I, if I always have the Spirit to be with me, I will always act in charity, right? Mm-hmm. It's I will always... I think about Christ. I think about how He walked around from day to day and saw people and knew what they needed. Not because he was clairvoyant, right? But because he had the Spirit with him to teach him, what does this person need? The woman at the well. Uh, the woman brought to him um, in, in sin. There is no way he knows what's going on in their life except by the Spirit, except that he had learned to listen so carefully he knew exactly what was going on in their life just by looking at him. And I think as uh, I think you're right. I think it is the Spirit, learning to listen to the Spirit. It's what President Nelson's teaching us, right? Um, in a coming day, it will be impossible to survive spiritually, right? Right. Um, without that constant companionship, um, which I think leads to the greatest of all gifts, which is charity, right? right. And that, that is Christ. That is becoming Christ-like, right? To have charity. Love that. I love that. Um, can I just, one other thing in this chapter... Um, the, the first, I don't know, 11 verses mm-hmm. talk about um, the individual, some of the individual gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, he shifts a little bit and he gives us a little bit of a, an analogy, uh, 15 through, I don't know, 27 probably, um, where he's talking about the parts of the body, right? Oh, and, yeah. and I'll just give you a couple of verses. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not the body, is it therefore not of the body? Yeah. <laughs> and if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, uh, the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And he goes through all the different parts and pieces of the body. And and I think as he's speaking about uh, the body of Christ, the, the church as a whole, right? Um, I think so frequently about how I feel in my ward. Do I feel like the head of my ward? Maybe the, a guy gets called as a bishop and he just starts feeling like he's the head of the ward or head of the stake if he's a stake president, right? And, and I, I don't think that's really what he's saying. I think yeah. he's saying it, it isn't about the assignment you have in the church. It isn't about your even assignment in your home. It's about the skill sets that you bring, right? That, that a big toe 
is needed to walk carefully and to walk cleanly, right? Mm -hmm. A big toe never becomes the brain. It just doesn't transform itself into the brain. And, and for whatever reason on earth, we are given limitations in our, in our mental capacities and our physical capacities. And for sure, I think we can gain attributes, but we don't modify our attributes to become other things, right? We obtain new attributes. We, we gain the skills of a finger if we're a toe. We gain the skills of an ear if we're a, right? And, and I, think, I think those um, spiritual gifts can be given and learned um, through effort. We're all given one, though, at least, right? We're taught that. We, we all have, we're all given a, we're a, I'm a toe or whatever, right? Right, right. And that is needed. Um, and, and I think as, we, as we're working on the gathering, and it's, it's the most important thing going on, I think too often we look at people who don't come across as the brain. The head, or, yeah, right? right. Or, or a really pretty eye or whatever, right? We're, we're, we're looking for a specific body part to add because it, it's the most comfortable ones to add. Those are the things that we need. We need hands and we need, we need full feet, and we, right? We need, we need people that can, that can fill those roles. And we look at the fingernail person, and we're like, eh, we don't really need a fingernail right now. I don't want to. I don't have to clip the fingernail, right? We, so all the all the little negative things that come up. I just think if we think of ourselves like uh, like those body parts, and we identify, it's okay that I am a fingernail because yeah. it's needed for some for some reason. I'm needed in the body. Well, yeah, we 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 need everybody. Yeah, we need everybody. Yeah, and together, I mean, as a whole, we work better. Yeah, 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 and. and and it's more beautiful. The culture of the church is, is more correct. You think of the earth becoming celestial, right? That it will become where we live and in a celestial body. And I think about how a student asked me last year in my Answering Gospel Questions class, she said, do you think um, all of the races will go away in the celestial kingdom? And I said, wouldn't that be horrible? Yeah. Wouldn't it be horrible if there was no other color what color is the right color right right it's like horrible uh, the the song if you could have a collab says there is no end to race right it racism is something we've created race is something god created right. and it's a beautiful component of right. of the human family but if you take that one step farther and you look at okay so if all the race all the races exist in the next life which i'm so excited about in the celestial world what about the culture from those places can you imagine if we didn't have spanish culture or, or if we didn't have European culture or, or Chinese culture. Yeah, that's, that's what makes sense. Now, now, for sure, there will be things that drop out of that, right? The, mm -hmm. the negative things mm -hmm. in, in each culture will drop away when we become per perfected. But, but, and maybe we'll get to adopt some things that are, that are really cool that, across the board, right? But, for sure. But I think that idea that, that we need the finger because that finger is cool. It's a cool component. And maybe we don't even have any fingers in our world in this, in this area. But we, wouldn't it be great to have some of those? Right. I like the very last verse in this chapter where he says, but covet earnestly the yeah. best gifts. I mean, we're not, we're told to not covet anything yeah. a lot through the scriptures. But in this verse, he says, covet earnestly the best gifts and yet shew I unto, shew I unto you a more excellent way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think sadly, the chapter break was put in right there <laughs> because the next verse, he's talking about the best gift. Yes. Right? Which, Covet earnestly the best gifts. And then verse 1 of chapter 13, Though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Charity is it. That's mm -hmm. the thing you need to obtain, right? Yeah. They don't... These gifts lack effectiveness, essentially, yeah. if we don't have charity. Yeah. 
Love that. I love that. Anything else you want to add in here? Yeah, I would. I, I think one of the, the Satan's greatest tools that he has and utilizes, and perhaps today's day and age more than ever, is the changing of definitions. Hmm. Changing a word, changing a concept of from what God intended it to be to something else. Sure. And charity or love is, a, is an excellent example of that. Yeah. In fact, as we change definitions, I think it fulfills the prophecy that men would, uh, some men would consider or call good evil and evil good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because they just didn't understand the yeah. concept. Right. <clears throat> and, you know, we, we look at the concept of love today and if we misdefine it and we say love, attraction is love. Right. Well, attractions come and go. Mm-hmm. And, and we learn that charity never faileth. Hmm. So if love comes and goes, it can't be the same. Now, maybe a component of love is attraction. Sure. And I think that's okay. Sure. But the other component of that, too, is what about acceptance? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we define it as acceptance. You don't love me unless you accept exactly all the things I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's, that's not quite right either. Right. But if you follow that and you say acceptance equals love, then that takes you down a really strange path. Yeah. And there's that idea that, you know, we as parents know very well, it is very easy for I well. It is, we are capable of loving our children, even though we don't accept or sometimes even like right. some of the things that they do. Yeah, sure. Right? Yeah. And, and that's a hard concept, I think, sometimes in the world to understand is, mm-hmm. is the magnitude of that love, yeah. even though the acceptance is not there. Yeah. And sometimes even though the attraction's not there. Yeah, I, I love that. And I like tying it to the Savior, too. The Savior loved everyone and um, wanted them all to be happy and to be comfortable, but he did not accept every behavior. Right. He did not. He was not okay with every action that anybody wanted to make or take or, or belief they wanted to have. He corrected regularly. We, we live in, uh, it was an Elder, Elder Holland that, calls it the bumper sticker Jesus, right? Where, where he just pats you on the head and sends you off to the village love yes. yeah. and And, and it's, it's just not the way he was. He was not, you know, the what would Jesus do bumper sticker is not always what we think in our modern day what Jesus would do. Sometimes he would straight up call you out yeah. and tell you to stop sinning and go away, <laughs> right? right? Now go and don't do that anymore. Right. But, but what better way though, and he, but he did it with love, right? Yeah. Like you said. And somebody's not going to, want to change yeah. or redirect if they weren't shown love yeah. through that yeah. redirection. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I think it's important. Um, are we- yeah, just one, one last comment. So if I could propose something here, because we're talking about what love isn't, sure. or we're talking about components of love, and Paul does a nice job here of talking about some of the different components of, mm-hmm. of love. Yeah. But one of the things I'd like to put to, to the audience that's listening and to us here is that Referring back to Second Nephi two, when when um, Lehi is talking about the things that God created, he created two things: those mm-hmm. to act and to be acted upon. Mm-hmm. And that if we accept love as say attraction, then that's really being acted upon. Mm-hmm. Like whatever attraction I happen to have in the moment is yeah. is love. Yeah. But the reverse of that is. Love, if we're doing it in terms of an action, is a choice. Love is a choice. I choose who I love. I choose who I serve. I choose who I have charity towards, Mm -hmm. even though I may not always agree with them. 
um, be attracted to them um, or accept everything that they do. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's uh, I think it's an important component to how I am obtaining charity that that I choose to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite things, and, and the institute director here at the institute in Boise, Jim Edwards. Uh, taught a little bit about charity one time and and love really um, by looking at verse four. Uh, this is also in uh, the Book of Mormon, um, but but this idea of changing the the word charity to your own name, and then reading mm-hmm. four through eight. Um, Matt suffereth long and is kind. Envieth not. Well, no, that's not true, right? <laughs> and, and, but what's interesting is if you put yourself in a different place. Right, Matt at home does not suffer very long. He just handles it, and the kids stop. Right, <laughs> but Matt at work, oh man, he's very sufferable. Right, he will sit and he will suffer until well, maybe for four or five minutes. Right, and then he will <laughs> say what he thinks. Right, but but I think it's really an interesting uh, 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 test mm-hmm. to put your own name in there and see how you're how you're doing in those things that are charity. And then change your circumstance. Put yourself at work. Put yourself at home. Put yourself at school. Put yourself with your wife or your husband, right? It's a good put, reality yeah. check. <laughs> How are you with your kids, right? Yeah. In every in every setting to, to be able to say, yeah, I do have charity here. Um, I, I just think that's such a powerful thing. Um, and and I, I, just one more thing here. Verse 9, um, he, he's kind of wrapping up his, his comments here. And he says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. I, I just think it's so important to not think we know everything. That's yeah. a great point. Right? To, to just say, I, this is as much as I know, and it's okay, that I don't have full knowledge on everything, and, and maybe I just need to have some faith yeah. and, and move forward in faith, act in faith, you know, step into the water before it starts parting, uh, step across the ocean, even though I can't see the end of it, knowing that it's gonna get, it's going to be held up. Uh, and that's just an important part of, of everything we do. And remember that there's always a way. Yeah. There's always a way. Yeah. And we know who, who that, that way, way is. is. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Harvey? Well, I, I think part of that principle, too, is just simply the idea that he teaches us line upon line, precept yeah. upon precept, and after the manner of in the Doctrine and Covenants, yeah. of our own language. Right. Not English-Spanish, but just of our own understanding. Yeah. And so when we get a little bit more and a little bit more, I mean, he's willing to use our sometimes our misconceptions and not quite full understanding to his advantage to teach us a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And And I think that's even the way he leads and guides the church, right? He doesn't come and say, can you imagine the day that the prophet got, hey, we should have institute. Well, what if he had said, we need to have institute and we need to have support specialists and we need to have projectors on the ceilings. No, no, let's scratch that. We need TVs in every classroom and we need giant institute. He doesn't give it that way. He says, go find a teacher to teach college-age students. And then the processes of creating the institute are developed. Some, I think, especially in our day, look at those changes and say, well, why didn't they just get it right from the beginning? Well, if that were true, Joseph would have gotten everything ever we needed in the fullness of uh, times, all in the first vision. The first time he saw God, the first time he was instructed, God would have given him everything. Well, that's just so not sustainable. Nobody could handle that, right? Right. And so he gives us enough that we can learn and manipulate it, and then it needs to change so it can become better. It's home teaching versus ministering, right? Right. It just slightly shifts 
until it's better and better and eventually becomes And that comes through experience. Yeah. Well, now, I may be misquoting, and somebody, hopefully you will correct. It's what we do here. But but wasn't (laughs) President Nelson, a few conferences ago, didn't he say, hey, the restoration was not a one and done. We are still in the restoration. Yeah. And we are still restoring things and will continue to restore things. Yeah, exactly. And I think just to look at it like, well, if it changes, it can't be Christ's. Really? We don't live just like Adam and Eve did, and we're not living the law of Moses anymore, and even the things Christ taught in his day are slightly different in the way he's teaching us today. To go back to what Janet, how Janet just ended just a moment ago, it's the process of becoming. Yeah, yeah. It's what we're here to do. I love it. I love it. Anything else in these chapters? I think that's good. That was fun. Yeah, you guys are great. Um, We always end with uh, just conversation about what you would share. What, What would the... Uh, if you could like force the young adults um, or youth of the church to know something and just it sticks to them and it's it's something they never forget. Uh, and, and Janet, you see the young people come through this building all, the, all day long. Yes. Um, you see them come in with their countenances up and their countenances down. Uh, what would you want them all to know? I want you to know to just keep powering through it, keep being strong. There's um, just like in, we talked about earlier in chapter um, 10, verse 13 that there hath no temptation but is but such as is common to all men we all struggle we all have our struggles we all have our mistakes and and um just keep powering through it keep keep returning to our heavenly father keep relying on the savior keep coming back yeah i love that it was the plan that we would mess up right yeah absolutely yeah and and know that you're not the only one yeah i mean i'm still striving to yeah plug along here and keep coming back to the institute yeah we love you here (laughs) we love having you here uh brother erickson anything you'd share yeah mine probably won't be very popular okay cool but uh (laughs) that kind of sums me up so i got invited here because of janet i I just tag along with janet and that's that's how i get places so um cut your social media yeah I, i just i know that doesn't sound very popular but Look, we are here to become like God and do that in reality and and living in a virtual world where the message is it's more important to have thousands of insignificant friends than it is to have just a few really deep relationships does not allow us to become like our Heavenly Father. We have to develop those deep and intimate relationships through covenants with those around us and with our Heavenly Father. And we just simply can't do it through social media. And I'm not saying don't use it at all. Yeah. Um, and maybe you do it in steps, right? Cut it in half now and then cut it in half again a little yeah, bit later. Sure. But um, it is not, it's not theory anymore, the destructive nature of, of social media and, and the impact it has on our lives. Yeah. And it, it is a true detriment uh, in particularly in large quantities to uh, our becoming like our Heavenly Father. Yeah, and I would add to that, especially in the formative years of your life. Yeah. When you're making some of the biggest decisions, you need to live not in a virtual world, but in the world and in places where the world is helping you, not hindering you. Right? Come come to the Institute. Be be here. Yeah. Find places that, that provide good experiences with good people um, and not uh, fictitious yeah. Yeah. spaces. And, and the real world is messy. Yeah. And, and learn to be okay with the messes, yeah. right? The, the virtual world I can shift and create in any shape and size and everybody puts on their best Sunday best right. on, on yeah. Facebook and Instagram, etc. The real world is messy and, and that's okay. Because and that's the, what's going to bring you strength. Yeah. 
the mess. Yeah. Strength through the mess. Strength through the mess. Love it. You guys are fantastic. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you very much.